Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful day, Father God. I thank you for just being in presence in every second, every moment. I thank you, Father, that today is your day. May it be as your will, Father God. May we take in today's message and really run with your mercy, with your love, with your your presence, with your... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. Father, that you came and you laid your life down. Father, to reconcile us back to God. Your word says, now therefore, we are at peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Peace with God. We are no longer to live as rebellious ones. But Father, you've called us to live and empowered us to live as obedient ones. Those who have considered the cost and laid down our lives, Father, seeking you, drawing close to you, for we know that as we do, your word says that you will draw close to us. We thank you, Father, that you have begun this work in us. We thank you that the work of sanctification is an ongoing process, and yet though we will not be perfected until we are with you, but Father, we are called to continue to keep maturing and growing to your likeness. Father, your word says that we are now in Christ. We have the victory in which Christ Jesus our Lord has conquered sin and death. And in that, we have the victory to live this new life where we have been born again of the Spirit. And so, Father, we thank you as we come today, Father, as we sit at your feet, Lord, to, to be encouraged by you and through your word, we pray, God, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but, God, that we would be doers of the word. And in so, Father, our lives will be transformed. And as, Father, we go forth being your ambassador in our communities, God, that we would spread your fragrance as we share the gospel so those who are in darkness hopefully will come to the light. It's in Christ and in Christ alone we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be doing the introduction to Ruth today. We're not getting into Ruth until chapter 1 and 2 next week. So if you haven't read it yet, I would encourage you to go and start reading it. There's four chapters. Short chapters. It may take anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes to kind of read through it. But take time going through it and just kind of meditating on it and draw some points of application that can be applied to your life. But in this introduction, what I'm encouraged about the book of Ruth, and as I, when we took our little break, it's kind of where I parked myself, reading about her life, and I was so encouraged that Ruth could have chosen to allow her brokenness to define her, but she didn't. And so as we begin to think upon Ruth and her life, I want to just 
lay out a question for us this morning. And how does brokenness define you? Because in reality, as a believer, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Your identity now as a believer is in Christ. And in Christ, we have hope. That hope in Him will never disappoint us. We're no longer living out of our old nature, that nature that was broken. No, we're in this new nature now, this wholeness. And as I've been sharing over the past couple of times that we've been together and, and hoping, encouraging us to see yourself there in Christ. Nothing missing, nothing broken. But how does brokenness define you? Because as you see yourself, you will live. If you see yourself broken, you'll live out of that brokenness. If you see yourself in Christ, you'll begin to pursue Him even more. Knowing that He will transform you from that mentality of brokenness to the realization of the wholeness that He gives us. So that we're not obligated to fulfill the desires of the flesh or to react in the flesh. No, we can be submitted unto Him and to the Holy Spirit whom He has given us that would give us what we need in that moment when brokenness is screaming in our face and reminding us of our past. See, we have to start reminding ourselves of who we are and whom we belong to. And those moments that we see ourselves broken, those are the moments that we should get to on our face and on our knees and begin to cry out unto Him. Too many times we settle ourselves to stay broken. And I hope through this book that you would see that there's such a great call upon our lives. Brokenness will always keep you in the rut. It will always keep you chasing your tail. It will always remind you of how worthless you are. But that's not what Christ has for us, you all. And I love this story of this woman who chose not to allow her brokenness to define her. She chose obedience. And in, in so doing, her life was forever changed. Her life was forever changed. And I love the fact that when she chose to, to, to obey, to go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, she didn't know what the future hold. So many times we stay in our brokenness because we can't see the future. We want a clear picture, and then we'll get up. But that's not faith. See, true obedience is getting up and walking even when you don't see. Because you're trusting Him. I'm not who I used to be. I'm who you've purposed and called me to be. See, I'm not sure what conversations we're having with ourselves, but it starts here yourself, with God, talking with Him, hearing from Him, spending time, it's like that first song, that quiet time, I'm exclusively yours, God. I'm shutting out the cares of this world, and I just need to hear from you. I need to be encouraged in who I am in Christ, because I know who I am in of myself. And you know who I am in and of myself. 
And I don't want to make excuses any longer. I recognize what it is. It is sin. It is brokenness. And I don't want to be defined by that any longer. You've been redeemed. And I want us to think of that word and what it means to be redeemed. You must remember that you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you at the high price. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20, reminds us of that. Christ has redeemed you. Your identity is in Christ, His victory. You're no longer missing anything. You have worth and are value. You're no longer broken. If you don't see this truth for your life, then your eyes aren't fixed on Jesus. Remember, it's the truth that will set you free. John 8, 32, live as one who has been redeemed. And that's what I'm hoping as we go through this book, is that that would become your mindset. I am redeemed. And I'm going to live as such. And what does that mean for you? What does that mean in your day in and day out, comings and going? What does it mean to start identifying with one who has been purchased? Your life is not your own. If you continue to live your life as your own, you're not in obedience. You're in rebellion. We must start applying these applicable truths to our lives as the Spirit of God teaches us and leads us. Redeemed. You have been redeemed. Purchased. Your life is not your own. Ruth could have chosen her way. She could have gone back to her life. She could have, her whole life could be different by the choices that she could have made. But she saw something greater. And I was so encouraged that she even declares to Naomi, I will follow you and the God of Israel. She didn't have to. She could have followed her ancestors' gods. She could have gone her way and practiced and worshipped her God, her way. But she determined, Naomi, I will not leave you. I will go with you. But I'm just not going with you, Naomi. No, I am going. And I will follow the God of Israel. She made a choice. And I want to encourage us today that the choices that we're making will define our lives. And if we continue to make choices, and I'll bring it back to brokenness, out of our brokenness, then that's what will define us. Brokenness. Destruction. Because nothing good will come from our own choices. But it's through the obedience, it's through that commitment to say, God, I will follow you. I will trust you. I will worship you. That our lives then begin to be transformed and the world begins to take notice because we're no longer of the world. The brokenness out there, you all. You see it. Turn on your television. Look around. But we're called to be truth bearers. 
to allow them to see our lives being transformed. If all we have are the words and not the life, then in reality we really have nothing. Because we're not going to impact anyone. It's not going to do anything. It's when you apply it, it's when they can see that, wait a minute, I remember how you used to be, or how you can testify, this is once who I was, but this is who I am now, not in and of myself, because I made a choice to follow Jesus. <coughs> that I laid down my life, and in this day and age, we want to strip that of the gospel. We want to we strip the cost of following Christ in order and hopes to make it easy for people to come to Christ. And that's not what we ought to be doing. We're to give them the full gospel. Because that's the only way that they will be healed. In Christ. To allow His power, the work of sanctification to begin within our hearts and within our minds. Because you remember what the Word of God says. How does He transform us? By changing the way we think. By changing the way we think. We're not out there to, to, to argue and, and, and create chaos with people. I don't have to go and, 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 and go toe-to-toe with people. No, I can go and just present the gospel and live my life before them. And I want to challenge you with that. To get out there and live your lives. Remember when I spoke to you last week, are you an effective harvester? Are you burning bright out there? Are you sharing the good news of Christ with others? Because men and women do not need to hear your opinions on things. What they need to hear is the gospel. They need to hear about Jesus. Jesus. I love it in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22. Listen to the words from Isaiah that God gave him to speak. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, God says, for I have paid the price to set you free. Freedom, you all. Nothing missing, nothing broken. This freedom in which we have in Christ Again, I'm going to ask you, how is brokenness defining your life? Because it shouldn't be. Your identity, if you are a believer, you are in Christ. Your life is being transformed. That's why you ought to see growth in your Christian life. And I've encouraged you before, if you're not seeing growth, don't waller in guilt and shame, but you better recognize that something's wrong. And you better seek Him now, because you should be producing fruit in your life. And we talked about that on Friday night. The Christian life is to be producing fruit. And that's what we will see in Ruth's life as we're studying this book. Fruit coming forth. And not just to bless her, but others around her. Through her obedience. Go to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at 
verse 15 through 23. So many times, you all, we try to make this Christian life about us. And this Christian life isn't about us, it's about Christ. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. And as we go through the book of Ruth, As I encouraged you already, we are going to see that Ruth's decisions were based out of obedience and not out of her brokenness. So many times we find ourselves in seasons, or in seasons can last for years, of just brokenness. That's all that we see, that's all that we are identifying with. But I can't encourage us enough to look beyond our brokenness. And if you're sitting here and you're calling yourself a Christian, then you need to recognize your identity is in Christ. And I can't keep saying that over and over and over enough. Because I believe we need to continue to put it in front of us day in and day out before we make decisions, before we put our hands to things, before we set our eyes on stuff, before we, before we give ourselves to others. We need to recognize our identity is in Christ. And we're to learn and we're to grow. And listen to the words of Colossians here. Verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. This is Jesus, you all. And as I was reading through and I've been meditating on this portion of Scripture, I said, God, give us the awareness of the, of the reality of these Scriptures that we're reading this morning. That we wouldn't take Jesus so lightly. That we wouldn't just use His name for our benefit. That we wouldn't seek Him just to satisfy ourselves. But that we would truly know that He reigns supreme. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Jesus, you all. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Jesus, you all. The one in whom we say we've given our lives to, and yet he's the first one we push away when our desires are, are flared up. And somehow we think that's okay. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus. The chaos and the craziness that is going on in this world. The only peace that would ever satisfy the human nature. Each one of us is Jesus. We're living in crazy times. 
Crazy times. But as the church, we're not getting caught up in it. We have the hope. We have Jesus. All power and authority belongs to him. He's created, and through him, he's created everything. In this world and in the world that is unseen. Jesus. And yet we're flippant about him. We're all guilty of it. But what I hope to encourage us is for us to get up from being flippant about Jesus and really start pursuing him. Start living for him. Listen, you have the right to live however you want. As anyone does. But why would you? When the truth has been presented to you over and over and over and over again, take him lightly. I was so encouraged by the Walmart cashier yesterday. She began a quick conversation with me about the election. And from there, it led to the chaos that's going on with the protests and everyone angry and everything else. <coughs> and from there, it led me, her to share from 2 Timothy. And I was just listening to her. And I was so blown away because she didn't know me. I never met her before. But she was so bold in her faith. There's hope in Jesus. He's the one that sets the rulers in place. We're not trusting in man. We're trusting in Jesus. As Christians, I was so moved by her faith. She didn't know if I was ready to pounce on her or to attack her or to say whatever. And I said, God, what a beautiful example. What a beautiful example. With all the chaos and people going on out there, she was bold enough to bring the conversation to Jesus. And I was so moved by her. I said, God, let that be a mark of all of us. That we would bring it back to Jesus. Listen, the reality is, if your eyes will open to see the reality, the reality is the protests aren't really happening because of Trump. The protests are happening because these are broken individuals who want to demand their lives and their lifestyles. And they think now their lifestyles are going to be affected by conservatives being in control. By the Supreme Court 
God willing, that conservative judges will be placed on the bench who will honor the Constitution of what our founding fathers meant for our nation and who will have a conservative mindset and heart that will honor God. So what you've seen, if you're really paying attention to what the media wants to work up, is hatred for conservatives. For those who hold true to the value of faith, family, and our nation. Look at the signs they're holding. Look at what they're demanding. It's all about themselves. This is the culture in which we, for generations, for generations, have allowed. And the church has set silent. And it's nothing but miraculous of the generation in which we live in now as believers throughout the earth. Throughout the earth. We have an opportunity as believers, no matter where your feet is planted, you have an opportunity to bear witness to Christ who is supreme over all. Verse 17, He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Before Christ, before coming and accepting this free gift of salvation, this hope for eternity, <coughs> you were an enemy. You were in complete rebellion by your thoughts, your evil thoughts and actions. And yet the Word of God says He loved you, yet though you were in complete rebellion towards Him. That's why all through Scripture you see God trying to reconcile men back to Himself. He's not going to force you. Live how you want. But just be careful claiming His name and not living for Him. Because then you fooled yourself and you've given yourself a false sense of freedom. In reality, you're not free at all. You're no different than those who are living for themselves. That's why I've always encouraged you. If you're hearing a gospel that is giving the right to yourself, run from it, flee from it. 
Because it's not the gospel. There's no freedom that comes from, from your own self, from your own doing. You only know how to do one thing. To sin. To seek to satisfy yourself. Because it's brokenness that defines you. But in Christ you all, oh, the good news, that in Christ you can rise up each and every single day. And no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you're facing, you will not be shaken. Your position will not be removed from you because you are in Christ and you're making decisions now from a mindset that is heavenly and not worldly. That which you put your hands to, you will work as unto the Lord. You will be a good worker. You would seek to please Him in everything you say and do. And when you fail and when you mess up, you will be quick not to remain down. You'll get right back up. Because you recognize, if my eyes aren't on Him, if I'm not obeying, I will fall. I will fail. But He is not surprised by your failure. That's why He beckons you to remember who He is. And how he has set you free. Return to me, he says. Don't stay down for too long. Get up. Rise up. And keep moving forward. There's a kingdom. That you've been engrafted in. There's a hope. Of an inheritance. That is set before you. Don't settle for the temporalness of life. Look, it says here in verse 22, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's how God sees you. How do you see yourself? When you look in the mirror? When you're just sitting and you're just... Thinking of life? Are you broken? Are you hurting? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you so bound by insecurities? Are you unforgiving? Are you bitter? Are you lustful? Are you prideful? Because that's not how you ought to be living. Look at what it says here. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And here's the good news. It's not about you who has done anything to make yourself better. It's all because of Christ. It's all because of him. See, that's why you don't make Christianity these rules and laws and these do's and these don'ts and this heavy burden on you. That's not the Christian life. Christ fulfilled all of that. So it's not like, oh, I have to. No, it's like, I desire to. Why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I follow him? Why wouldn't I have fellowship? Why wouldn't I allow the Holy Spirit to change the way I'm thinking? No, I don't do that any longer because it doesn't bring glory and honor to the one who purchased me. So it's a freedom that comes in the Christian life. And yet you see such attacks on Christianity. 
Yet you see all these different movements trying to take Jesus' name and form a religion based upon his name to try to enslave God's people. God help us. We have the truth. We have freedom to share. That's why discipleship is vital. That's why it's important that you're growing. If not, you will get led astray all through the, the letters that Paul and, the, and within the New Testament encourages us to grow up, to be mindful of the teachings that are creeping into the church, to try to keep you from the fullness of who Christ is. There's nothing you can do or add to what he has done to make you right with God. He did it. He alone laid his life down so that we would live this new identity. And look at verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Did you hear that? You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you've heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have, appoint, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And just as Paul had been appointed, we now, who are believers, are appointed to go to share this good news with others. Brokenness. It shouldn't define you. You're not making your decisions based on who you were before Christ. No, you have been made whole and complete in Christ. And now you're learning of Him. Just as much, and we talked about this on Friday night, just as much energy and, and thoughts that you put into your old life before Christ, that same energy and thought process now is to be put into your new life. There's not like a, a magic spell, poof, you know, and then everything is, is perfect. Because Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. How can I be of good cheer, Jesus, when chaos is brewing around me? Get your eyes off the chaos, Rob. Get your eyes off your brokenness and set them upon me. It's because when our eyes and our gaze are fixed upon him, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. And not in and of ourselves, but because of Him. That's why daily as a Christian, you get up and you remind yourself who He is. Throughout the day. Throughout the day. And the days to come, remind yourself daily on who He is. For He is God. The very one who created heaven and earth. The very one who said, I'll come and I'll redeem you. I will purchase you. 
And what a beautiful picture of redemption uh, and, 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 uh, that we will see, if you would, through this four chapters of Ruth. The best is yet to come. I want you to remember that phrase as we're studying the book of Ruth. Like I said, when you, I don't know if you've read it yet, but when you open up chapter 1, everything looks bleak. Death, famine, you name it. Life just doesn't look good. But the best is yet to come. And remember what I said earlier. Ruth's decisions weren't based on what, how she, what she saw for sure that would happen in her future. She had no clue what her future would be. She could have chosen to go back to her old ways. But she chose not to. She chose to remain with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And in doing so, remember what I said and what the word said, she also made a commitment to the God that Naomi and the Jews worshipped. The best is yet to come. Through the book of Ruth, we are reminded that in life there are setbacks, that there is hope, and that obedience will always pay off in the end. So again, as we're going through this book over the next two weeks, again, I would encourage you to go read it, 15, 20 minutes tops. It'll take you to read four chapters. The best is yet to come. Gain understanding that in life there are setbacks, that there is hope, and that obedience will always pay off in the end. Now let me give you a quick overview of the book of Ruth. To start out, a woman by the name of Naomi packed up and moved to Judah, to Moab, due to a terrible famine that was affecting her family. She and her husband moved there with their two sons, who eventually took wives while living in Moab. Tragically, Naomi lost her sons and her husband. And we're going to talk about Naomi more as we're going into the book of Ruth. Because I think a lot of times, and even as I'm doing now, we focus a lot on Ruth. But the more I'm studying these four chapters, I realize that really what this four chapters are truly about is Naomi. Everything Ruth did affected Naomi's life. Tragedy struck Naomi, a God-fearing woman. Famine was in the land. They pick up and they move. And in the midst of the move and in the midst of, of just facing hardship and settling into a new land, her husband dies. And then her two sons die. And now she's alone. The roof. Broken and empty, Naomi decided to move back to Bethlehem and Judah. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, came with her since she had also lost her husband. Keep in mind that Ruth was a Moabite woman, and she was now moving to Judah as a foreigner. This was a big deal in their culture, 
but she was committed to Naomi as her daughter-in-law, and she wanted to follow after the God of Israel. While in Judah, God worked out an amazing plan for a man named Boaz to take Ruth as his wife, give her a child, and provide for her and Naomi. What's remarkable about this plan was that Boaz was qualified as a kinsman redeemer to take her, Ruth, as his wife. So what in the world is a kinsman redeemer? Well, they had a custom in those days based on Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 5 through 6 that dictated that a relative of a man who dies should marry that man's widow in order to perpetuate his lineage through this woman. According to God's remarkable sovereignty, it turned out that Boaz was a relative to Ruth's husband who had passed away. So he, has, so he was qualified to marry her and perpetuate his lineage. So even in the midst of Ruth and Naomi's awful affliction, God still had a plan to take care of them. And if you haven't read it yet, I'm really so excited about these four chapters. Boaz had no clue at first who Ruth was. But Ruth got his attention. So some applications in closing that I'm going to remind us as we're going through these chapters. Application is vital whenever you open up the Word of God. The Word must be applied to your life. If all you're doing is reading, it's of no value. It's just knowledge. And knowledge that's not applied is of no use. That's why the Word says, don't be a hearer of the Word, you have to be a doer. Whenever you open up the Word of God, seek application for your life. Remember, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. He's your teacher. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. Allow the Spirit of God to teach you. So some application. As we read over the great story of Ruth, there are five important applications that we need to reflect on. So the first one, God is concerned about all people, regardless of race, nationality, or status. And oh, how we need to hear that in our culture today. God is concerned about all people, regardless of race, nationality, or status. You see, Ruth was not a Jew. She was a Moabite. Even though many discriminated against her, God loved her just the same. God does not discriminate, and he loves all people just the same. The second application. Men and women are both equally important to God. God cares about men and women all the same. We are all one in his eyes, while most false religions that have been constructed over the centuries often elevate men and dishonor women. Christianity is their one religion that constantly honors men and women at the same level. There is no difference in his eyes. Ruth was a Moabite. She wasn't a Jew. She was a widow. She was a woman. And in that culture, that made her the lowest of the low. But God. God had a plan for her life. 
And as we've been encouraged through Scripture, we understand that God formed all of us. And in forming us, He has planned good works for us to do. Not for yourself, but for Him. As you come to Christ, as, as that process of sanctification begins, as your life begins to honor Him, you'll begin to fulfill the purpose for your life that God set before the earth was formed for you. Number three, there is no such thing as an unimportant person in God's eyes. At a surface level, few saw Ruth as an important person. She was from Moab, which was a nation that originated from an incestual encounter with Lot and one of his daughters. That's from Genesis 19, verse 30 through 36, if you want to check that out. She was a poor widow. She was living in a foreign land away from her birth family. But God saw her as important, and His plan for her life came together, becoming a part of the lineage of Jesus as the grandmother of who? Does anyone know? King David. How about that? God's plan typically involves using people who are considered to be underdogs or unimportant or unimpressive from man's perspective. Remember in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, we are reminded his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Again, everything was set up against Ruth to keep her down. But the cause of her obedience cause of her obedience. God's purpose for her life came to pass. And the great thing is, you all, she wasn't seeking anything for herself. I'm telling you, please go read these four chapters before we start them. You will see how humble she was. She was in a foreign land. She could have made the choice to stay in her land, worship her God, be with her family. But something stirred her. And she chose to stay with her mother-in-law and to go and worship the God of Israel. she was out in those fields harvesting she was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the servant and she didn't gripe she didn't complain she didn't murmur she didn't fault find and she didn't continue to talk to all the other servants about her brokenness as we do we're all guilty She remained low. She worked. She knew her purpose. She didn't know where she was going, but she knew she showed up that day to work in the fields. And my position is way in the back. 
behind all the other servants because I'm a foreigner. I don't belong here. But she worked. And Boaz took notice. Same as Christ does in our lives. If we would just commit to do good, you all. How are we honoring him if we're just constantly, constantly exalting our brokenness? How on earth is that pleasing to him? That's why it's vital to get to know him, you all. To love him with your whole heart. With everything that is within you. Stop looking at your circumstances and what's going on out in the world. If you're sitting here this morning and you're a Christian... This world is not your home. This world isn't your home. So don't get caught up in it. But be useful while you're here. Serve. Love. As Jesus did. Jesus himself says, This is not my kingdom. not my kingdom. But yet though he came to serve those who hated him. To love those who despised him. He came to this earth knowing that we would reject him. He came to this earth knowing the cross was set before him. He came to die a criminal's death so that we would have hope to be restored through Him to God. No greater love than this that would ever be displayed. The fourth Application you can take away is God uses little things to accomplish great plans. What amazing plan God had for a series of little things that all added up to important pieces in God's big plan. God intended for Ruth to be part of the story of the lineage of Jesus. Can you, can you imagine that? <laughs> Ruth had no clue. So he pulled together events such as a famine... Naomi's relocation to Moab, their return to Bethlehem, Boaz's bloodline, and many other events just to assure that Ruth could be part of this plan, and God does that same thing in our lives. So many times we resist the chaos that's going on around us because it doesn't feel comfortable. Like I said, sometimes you just got to say, God, whatever you have in the midst of this, I'll trust you. And just keep going forward. Just keep going forward. And the last one, 
God has a Redeemer in place who can rescue us from the devastation of our own sin. God has a Redeemer for our lives too, and His name is Jesus. Boaz was a type, a prophetic symbol of Christ and His redemptive work in our lives today. You see, we are all desolate as a result of our sinful natures. We are empty just as Naomi was empty and devastated after she had lost everything and returned to Judah. Our sin has rendered us empty and desolate spiritually. But Jesus is willing to redeem us. He wants to rescue us from the penalty of our sin. And all we have to do to be rescued is to call on Him in faith and ask Him to save us. Romans 10 verse 13 will encourage you in that. So my hope is that you are one of his redeemed. If you are not, my hope is that you will call on him right now and ask him to save you once and for all from the consequences of your sin. Jesus, our redeemer, he's purchased us. If you called upon him and you're sitting here and you're identifying yourself as a Christian then I want to encourage us to live as one then we have too much at stake you all I forgot I don't know who I was talking with but what I remember I don't know who it was but they were saying how these events that are taking place are all there in the Bible. And after years of sitting in church and hearing the church, oh, it was Brent, Friday night. Yeah. I was thinking, I knew it was a man. I was thinking, who was I talking to? And I looked there because that's where he was standing when he was saying it. Mm-hmm. That the church taught me what this day and this generation and the generation to come would be like. When people wouldn't even think of what is taking place today. The church even then, even from the beginning when the church was birthed, has been warning Christians of what's to come. And how you should live. That's my hope as we go through this book. Is that we would be encouraged. That yet though things may look bleak. The best is yet to come. Amen. I'll close this with these songs of worship. And then I'll close this in prayer.
Well, I don't know how and I don't know But I know your peace will reign Cause in the midst of the storm I'm overwhelmed By your grace Fears are unfound Because I'm surrounded By your grace Of a love divine, I know that everything will be alright. Cause you overwhelm me, you overwhelm me, you overwhelm me. Overwhelm me You 
In the stillness of my own 